Welcome to this week's episode of Thoughts on Demand podcast. This week, Jake and I talk about knowing you're dead when you die. Uh, what We'll also make a bold prediction, talking about the way that chicks fold toilet paper, and then we'll follow it up with the news. Let's go ahead and get started, guys. Hey, Jake, welcome. How you doing today? Not bad. How you doing? Happy I'm 420. Doing... Oh, dude, yes. Happy 420. Thank you so much for that. That is you truly do. should be a holiday now, especially as more and more states legalize this thing. They should just keep it as like a, a true national holiday, like stoners camp out or something like that. You know, I I think other people celebrate it as well. I think it has become a national holiday. And even as a joke, it people that don't imbibe and, and, and partake, mm-hmm. they still celebrate it by wishing each other happy 420. That's really sweet, you know, and it's really kind of cool that it comes before uh, the day before Zombie Jesus Day this year. So it's really kind of cool that you actually have like that full holiday weekend to enjoy your 420. Yeah, I, I caught a couple uh, couple movies today, sat down earlier, watched uh, Friday, and uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, so a couple oh, old-school stoner movies for sure. Friday really was a good movie. It, it, it really does hold up pretty well. Now, Friday and uh, Friday after next and the Friday after next next or whatever the hell it was those were next horrible. Friday, those were bad. But the original movie does truly hold up as, as a, a fantastic movie, and almost... I think it is almost more of a cult classic now. Even though it was popular when it came out, it's really kind of withstood the test of time. Oh, most definitely. It's just, it's hilarious. It was funny, I actually was watching it. Uh, the wife wasn't home today, and uh, my daughter happened to be sitting there watching it with me, and she's only seven, but she really uh, enjoyed Smokey. She thought he was hilarious. Well, he is hilarious. And the, the best part is we all know somebody that is like Smokey. <laughs> That's for sure. That yeah, is everybody's for sure. got that one like tweaker friend. You're like, hey, bro, like you need to lay off whatever you are smoking because it's way too much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. We all have that friend. Yeah. Hey, so uh, we are trying a little bit of a different format this week. We've got a few different actual segments that we're breaking out. Uh, and so first, we, we're going to just kind of do one of our topics. We do have a segment called Bold Predictions this week where we will make one bold prediction whenever we do this, uh, and then we kind of have to back it up, and we'll talk about that a little bit, usually follow it up with another topic or so, and then wrap it up with the news. Uh, Mo was unable to make it this week, but what we're going to kind of do, too, is just rotate through. Whoever's available, that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, just kind of hang out and have fun with each other. So the first thing that I, I know, that Jake, you saw <laughs> All right, so we were uh, talking a little bit off mic before the show started about uh, an article you were reading. Uh, go ahead and tell me a little bit about it. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so I was reading this article, and it's, uh, let, me, let me get the guy's name here, um, Dr. Sam Perina, and he is a cardiopulmonary re- resurrection and assistant professor at the Stony Brook University School of Medicine. And this guy is writing an article saying that when you die, your brain is alive long enough after you have cardiac arrest that you know you're dead. You're aware that the fact that you have died. That's terrifying. <laughs> I think it's very terrifying. You know, and here's what I picture, man. I picture like, and this is worst case scenario, you get into like a wicked car accident, right? And you're upside down, you're, you're held in by your seatbelt, and you have your hands underneath you, and you're trying to move them because you don't know what the hell's going on, and you're struggling to breathe, and all of a sudden you stop breathing and you can't move your hands, and you're like, oh, I am now like dying. And then you realize, oh, I don't feel my heart beating anymore. I am dead. 
and then you're hanging out for like 10 to 30 seconds just like I'm here dead. I'm going to die. Like, this is it. This is the end. And you have that 30 seconds of just like rapid fast. Like your brain doesn't know what to think. Yeah. You're trapped. It's, it's, that's God. And you wonder for how, how long does it really last? You know, and in this article, he, they don't state, you know, the duration that they think this goes on for, but, um, yeah, that's that just a terrifying, terrifying thing. And they, they do say in this that, you know, people that have had near death experiences, they have heard doctors pronouncing them dead, and you know they're, that's part of what they use to corroborate what they what their you know their thought is on this. Yeah, you man. Know, well, I, I can't imagine that you'd be there all that long because if if you're hearing that, I think it's such a small window because that's going to open up the conversation. Is there something else, or or is it really that long? Because if if someone puts somebody in like a chokehold, yeah, it's like six seconds and you're out. I mean, you're out in six seconds so how long is that consciousness there is that 10 to you know 30 seconds because you know i kind of you sent the article over and i was kind of looking at it we were reading through it and it said something like i saw somewhere 10 to 30 seconds that they think your consciousness is there so does consciousness hang on longer if there's no blood flowing like are those electric impulses still going for 30 seconds even though there's no blood because that would make sense they say when they die they see family and friends walking to them and people they know from their past. Yeah, it's usually like a universal. Right, right. It's universal. Everybody has that same thing. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, those are just memories. It's your brain firing memories. And I thought to myself, well, that's the case. Why was it, why is it universal? Why, why aren't some people coming back saying, oh shit, I saw the time that I was 16 and we, we strapped Roman, Roman candles to our bicycle helmets and rode around at each other. Nobody ever says that. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. If your life is truly flashing before your eyes, you're going to sometimes see memories that are like really cool, or you're going to see something that's like really awful. Right. But, it, but it, it's but always it's, like, oh, my family's here, and I felt a sense of like you know completion, and then I felt really safe and secure. Right. So, and I'm not a superior. I'm not a spiritual person. I'm not a God fearing person. I'm, I'm open to other ideas. Not saying that it's wrong. Just other ideas. But that leads me to believe that there's a little something extra. There's something else because it's it's so across the board. Mm-hmm. It's the same type of experience. So I I don't necessarily think that it's your brain firing memories. I, I think there's a little something else there. You know. Okay. So this is a weird thought. Tell me if you've ever had this kind of thought. Um, recently, I, I've been having and thinking about my mortality quite a bit, and I keep wondering like, what happens if I were to die in like a really weird way, like a plane crash? Because we have those two plane crashes. Like, God, that would really suck. But at the same time. I wonder if I could find the positive in that moment. Is it how hard is it to find the? Okay, you're like, you know what? There's not a lot of people who have experienced this. I'm lucky. I get to experience death like this. At least it's going to be quick. But is that like weird to think about? Like, or if a comet came and hit us, I'd want to be as close as possible to that comet to watch that wall of dirt flying at me. You're assuming that a plane crash is going to be quick. Who's to say you die on impact? Ooh. You could hit the ocean. You could end up drowning in your seat. You could hit the ground and end up burning in jet fuel. You're not necessarily you. You don't know that a plane crash. I don't is going to know, be quick. man. I think if you were to hit the ocean, like uh, when you look, think about that old uh, that TWA airline that ripped apart in the early '90s, dude. All that was left was like just body parts. So I, I assume a plane crash is going to be pretty quick and instantaneous. I mean, you're probably traveling at a couple hundred miles an hour, and that thing's just going to be ripped to shreds. It's going to be pretty close to instantaneous. No, I don't know. Ask the singer Blink One Eighty Two. Didn't he? I mean, he was burned horribly oh, in a plane crash yeah. I and mean, he that's, survived 
That's those small planes, though, man. Small planes are much more. That's that's a, a lot easier a to walk away from. It is, but it's not the same. Those jetliners fly much higher altitudes, much faster, and are much heavier. And so it's a lot harder to really kind of crash land those things. You see all the time those yeah. people that are flying those Cessnas and they land on the freeway with no engine or go <clears> land in a field. Much more force. Field. Much more force. Yeah. And so, I, dude, you know what? That makes me think. I haven't thought about this in ages. I had a kid that we went to school with in fifth grade. And I won't say his name, obviously, but his parents died in a plane crash. And I remember kids teasing him on a regular basis about it. And as an Jesus. adult, yeah, as a kid, I was like, that's not right. Like, and I always told people, like, dude, his, his parents are dead. Like, why, why is that a joke? But I never actually, like, he's the only person I've ever known. Like, oh, yeah, somebody died in a plane crash. Yeah, both his parents died, and it was one of those little Cessna planes. So maybe, you know, depends oh, on the, the situation and who's flying it and what Did the weather's like. I know this kid? I, I don't remember this, this kid. No, 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 no. Yeah, he was just, uh, <clears throat> I had him in my fifth grade class and never saw the guy again. Uh, but... <clears throat> Well, dude, you know what? I've put my foot in my mouth a few times. I'm going to share these two with you. Do you remember we were sitting at a table with one of our friends, and I was like, I'm going to stab you to death with that fork, and he got up and got really pissed and walked outside? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know. I remember that one very well. <laughs> and yeah. you looked at me, and you're like, bro, he had some, like it was a grandma. His his grandma was stabbed to death with a fork. And I'm like, yeah. how the fuck am I supposed to know that? His grandmother was stabbed to death, and they never found the killer. Yeah, they never yeah. found the killer, and they they think that it was it was somebody in the family, mm -hmm. but they never yeah they were never able to find the killer unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Well, whoever would use a fork, obviously. It, well, here's the real question: This is how you could pinpoint who it would be in the family. Did they or did they not use proper manners when they were stabbing her? Define proper manners when stabbing <laughs> someone with a fork. Were they I'm, holding I'm the fork with the right hand, the left hand? Were they using the shrimp fork? Was it the salad fork? I mean, did they use proper table etiquette? Proper utensil for yeah. the, the moment. For the job. Yeah, maybe it was a serving fork, because that would probably do the job better than any other fork. I mean, you have a shrimp fork that's tiny, has three little prongs. The serving fork has four giant prongs. I mean, that's mm. almost like a big spear, so... So... I guess depending on your intent and your anger, that would also depend on what fork you're going to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you if know, I'm not that angry, I'm just going to hit you with the salad or, like, the uh, little shrimp fork and just be like, hey, don't do that oh. shit again. Um, Could you imagine being killed with a shrimp fork? I mean, that's oh, just... Fuck. That's that annoying. Awful. <laughs> That'd be worse than that plane crash, man. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I would not be able to find any positive being killed with a shrimp fork. Yeah, because you, you, that would take forever. <laughs> It'd be like Please uh, speed this up Could you use two at least Yeah Oh fuck man or, or are you just I mean I feel like you'd be a, The shrimp fork's the torture fork Let's just be real <laughs> So I mean, what, what was the other time You stuck your foot in your mouth uh, This one was a little bit more bizarre and, and, and I don't know if the payoff's gonna be as good But I was in my junior senior year of high school And I had a, a physics teacher And she was she was crazy smart I mean she PhD And she had been like a research physicist for ages And she ended up coming back to teach high school That was her way to give back And she was a little bit older toward the end of her career And really okay. I think it was probably She wasn't able to keep up with the younger kids And she was just kind of at that point Where I, she just didn't find that joy in it anymore so this, the effort wasn't the same. So she's like, I'm going to go and teach. Um, 
super smart. She also, like, her claim to fame was, like, I was rocked by Einstein as a baby. So that was always what she said. And uh, one day, she would always encourage us to ask questions after our, like, daily question. So you'd go in for the first five, ten minutes of class, and you'd do this daily question. And after you were done, we all kind of chatted as everybody else finished up. And so uh, the guy that sat next to me were talking about it, and I had watched a uh, thing on Nova the night before, and I asked her, I was like, hey, do you believe in spontaneous combustion? Do you think it could be real? And she would usually, if you ask questions like that, this is why it was really fun, she would think about something in physics and show you a formula of why it could be or could not be. And you're like, oh, this is how you use physics in everyday life. Okay. And so she didn't do that this time. She got really, really upset. She's like, why would you ask me such a question? I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I, I, you know, I didn't, she was a nice lady. I wasn't trying to make her upset, so I actually felt bad. And so we just stayed quiet until after the problem was over. And she said, okay, I'm ready to talk about this. I'm very sorry that I said that to you. And I was like, oh, it's okay. And she's like, but I'm going to explain why I kind of got upset. She said, hmm. I don't know if it could work. She's like, there's nothing that I could think of to make it work, and it doesn't seem logical. However, and I was like, oh, shit, there's a however to this story. Ooh. She said, however, I have personally seen something that fits the characteristics of spontaneous combustion, but I have no explanation for how it happened. And she said, when I was a little girl, I was staying at my friend's house, and her and I were upstairs playing. And we came downstairs and found her dad's body in his recliner with just his feet and arms or his legs and arms left. His body was completely burned up. And she's like, I was nine years old. She's like, I have thought about that regularly for my entire life. And she's like, the image like haunts me because I have no explanation for it and have no idea how it happened because it happened while we were in the house and we never heard or smelt anything. That's crazy. Whoa. And you see, though, there was a there was a great documentary. I, I think it was Nova. It was something I saw on PBS, which I always sounds like a joke, but I'm like, PBS actually <laughs> has pretty good programming. Like, we forget with all the Netflix, there's still good shit on PBS. Antiques Roadshow, baby. Hey, man. But I think it was like Nova, and they showed all these pictures, and it was just that stereotypical case. Like, it's arms and feet, and then the rest of everything is just burned up, and there's a ring in the room around up at the top where it kind of smoked out, but the fire's never hot enough to catch anything else on fire. So it's like almost internally... That's... Yeah. So hmm. she was like one of those I scientists... Documented, I wonder how many documented cases of spontaneous combustion there really are. Well, I, they a lot of them don't document it properly because it, it doesn't. It looks like somebody just burned up, and so is that murder? But that would be a really weird murder because there's no sign of any accelerants or anything like that. There was huh. one case that was documented. I think it was in Ireland or something like that, where the lady was sitting in the kitchen with somebody in her family, and was like, "I feel hot inside. I need water. I need water. I need water." And she went over to the sink and filled a glass, and then the family member reported flames coming out of her mouth and she looked like a dragon. Well, I'm reading something here where it says, I mean, this is, it's a real thing. Oh yeah. They say they think some, they think uh, it can be caused by individuals behavior and habits such as alcohol consumptions or other things that people consume or imbibe. It is rare though. Most of them have been reported as like drinkers. The most of them were drinkers, and most of them were liquor drinkers, not beer. Well, that would and make so, sense. You yeah. Know, if your blood alcohol level is up there, and let's say you're a smoker, and I, I, I mean, 
Well, I think you'd have to be a, a heavy drinker for many years to where that alcohol is in all of your fat cells too. You have to have like a overall kind of amount of alcohol or something like that in there. I mean, I know your liver burns that stuff off and converts it into some sort of sugar, but a, a, a sh- an alcoholic sugar is probably different than somebody who's eating like kale and cabbage and crap. You know, if you eat a clean diet, I have a feeling your fat cells will probably be a cleaner fat in a more, in a weird way, is it a more tasty fat or a, a, I mean, I mean, think I'm trying to figure it out because they feed a cow grain to like make it taste delicious. You grass feed it and then you grain finish, right? I don't know enough to talk openly about it. It's not. I'm just gonna butcher it. I yeah. don't. I don't know enough. I'm, I know enough yeah. to be dangerous, and that's about it. Gotcha. I actually found a butcher, dude, and I think that's a lost art, man. He's like, I can't find an apprentice right now. I'm like, damn. I would go be a butcher's apprentice. <laughs> like, how you much know, does that pay? Well, it's a lost art, man. It is. All trades. All, nobody wants to learn anything or to do anything with their hands anymore. Mm-hmm. They want to sit behind a computer. And, man, that's where the money is going to be made in the future. Because all these, like you said, it's a lost art. All these arts are disappearing. Yeah. But because I, I even asked them, you know, I said, who here processes game meat? And they're like, oh, dude, there's one person within 150 miles to do game meat. And you're like, oh, shit. One person in 150 miles? Well, there's a lot of people with game meat between me was, and 150 miles. I was just going to say, could you imagine that guy, is how busy he is during hunting season? He must be just insane. He I must just the, be insane. The processors here, I, mean, I have two processors near my home, um, two different meat packing places, and they have a lot of butchers on hand. And those guys are just slammed during hunting season. There's trucks backed up and, you know, piles of deer, and they're racking them. And, and I mean, I'm sure they're cutting deer for a month mm-hmm. on end. You know, it's funny is all these people walking out of school, they're like, oh, I'm going to go and sit behind my desk and my computer because I want to make money. And they end up making like 75 grand a year. There's a lot of butchers who are making 75 grand a year. Butchers make like $36 an hour. If, yeah, the real good ones. Not yeah. only not only they're making that money, but they're taking the best cuts home to themselves. Oh, they I could imagine. Eat, oh, shit. Those guys are eating good. They're getting some good cut every day. They're they're taking home good stuff. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah, and at like 36 bucks an hour, you're getting prime cuts of meat, and you're also probably, you've made friends with people who are getting deers, and you're like, hey, man, can I get some of that if you wanted it and you can't get out to hunt or whatever? Shit, who cares? They'll probably hook it up. All right, man, so we're going to go ahead and start rolling into bold predictions. So this is a new segment where we make one bold prediction. We talk about it for a few minutes. And so uh, we'll get some theme music as we're kind of coming in. Uh, We're working on that as we're learning, kind of making it sound good. Want to clean up the show and make it sound professional for you. So this week for bold predictions, my bold prediction, Jake, Russell Wilson will never win another Super Bowl. Um, So I think he's a highly overrated quarterback. I think he was very good when he first came in, and it was a little bit new, kind of like what Michael Vick did, had his run. Um, He walked away with a Super Bowl, and he was on a really cheap contract so they could pay everybody around him. Now that he's making $144 million in four years, they're never going to be able to pay anyone near enough to have a good defense to help him out, and he's going to have to basically carry that team. Well, I'm going to say I think that goes for all these quarterbacks that are getting paid ridiculous amounts of money. Um, You look at Aaron Rodgers. I think he making what he's going to make, I don't think he wins another Super Bowl either. And I think you take a look at Tom Brady and the way he structures his contracts so everybody can have a cut of the pie. He gets better players in around him, and they continue to win. That's part of their winning, winning formula in New England. When you have these players sucking up these giant contracts, there isn't enough to have other talent there as well. So I agree with that. I 
don't necessarily think he's overrated, but he is not deserving of top-tier money, in my opinion. Um, Russell Wilson, he has, ama- he has amazing playmaking ability, um, but I don't Does think... He? He, he hasn't done it in, like, two years. Man, he some of the plays he makes on the run, I think he's he's a difference maker. Maybe he's not yeah. flashy. Maybe you know his his passing isn't there quite like somebody accurate like Rodgers or somebody accurate like Matt Ryan. But Russell Wilson does it in a different way, and he has the ability to change the tempo of a game. So I'll give him that. He's a game changer. But I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league. So, therefore, no. I, should he command that kind of money? No. no, I don't even think he's in the conversation right now of necessarily the top three. He's probably in the conversation for the top five. But I'm sorry, right now, Jared Goff is playing very good football. You've got uh, the kid in um, Cleveland playing good ball. You've got Aaron Rodgers. You've got Tom Brady. Um, and I know there's one or two more that I'm probably missing in there. I, I don't think Derek Carr is the greatest of quarterbacks. I think he had one really good season a couple of years back. I think last year really sucked for him. Cam Newton's probably a bigger difference maker than Russell Wilson. Man, I don't know. I think Russell Wilson has that it factor. And I'll say this much about Russell Wilson. He is a good person. I think he's a stand-up football player. He's somebody that represents the NFL well. Um, so it, it makes it hard to root against a guy like that when you have other guys out there that use the spotlight for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's a stand-up dude, and I think he, he does a lot for that community, and he represents the, the Shield well. Yeah, it's like uh, Charles Woodson when he made that huge donation and the NFL forced him to do like a segment. Yeah, he was not happy about that. No, he's like, no, I just want to donate money and do something good. I don't want to have to go and run around and show everybody. And they made him do it on, like, Thanksgiving Day. He had, like, a 20-minute segment about him. Yeah, I remember that interview. He was not too thrilled about that. But, um, you know, sometimes you need to give these guys a little praise, too. I understand it's not wanted, but Mm -hmm. what he did was an amazing thing. And a thank you is nice, too. And sometimes you should accept that thank you and just smile and say, you're welcome. Perfect. Well, hey, dude, we had a another yeah. thing, too, that we were talking about. Uh, last week or so, we were talking about the difference between men and women. So I found another difference between men and women. I know we talked about right. um, the the 9-volt battery thing. If, if a, you ask a dude if he's licked a 9-volt battery, yeah. he always have. The chick never has. Um, I got another one, dude. All right. How do you, how do you use your toilet paper? I don't want to give anything away, like... When you're when you're taking a dump, right, and you're dropping a deuce, and you go mm-hmm. to reach over for the toilet paper, how do you prepare that toilet paper to then go to do but you know go about your business? To go about battle, huh? Yeah. Um, let's see here. So I guess I'd probably pull off six squares, fold that in half, make it three, fold that in half again, so you got one and a half. Give that another nice fold, so you got a good distance between finger and hole, and you give her a good swipe. Okay. You can't you can't have too thin a paper, man. You never want to slip and, and uh, give your own butthole a ride, man. It's no. Just, no, I'm not no, in no. there for that. Yeah, yeah. But what you're saying is you do a meticulous fold, like it's very, very detailed, yeah. it's very orderly. Very much so. But I have OCD with that. I can't fold paper, you know, uneven either. So nah, I, just, bro. I, I have to make sure that's right. That is every guy I've ever asked. That's almost identical to how I do it. Come I mean, on. Variations, just slightly size. Dude, I actually was out with some friends earlier, and we had pulled out six sheet or six uh, squares of toilet paper, and we passed it around the table. I'm like, how do you fold your toilet paper? The guys all folded it 
identical. The women, they just like wad that shit up like this way weird loose fold. It looks like they're trying to make like a fucking tissue paper flower. I'm like, what do you do with that? <laughs> like, how do you clean your shit with that? How like I I, I don't. Does it go and like maneuver through folds that I I don't know how things work that how that works on your junk? It makes no sense to me. But every chick did the exact same thing at the table, so I was like, "Well, really, that is the difference between men and women." And of course, some asshole out there is going to write to us and say uh, something along the lines of "fucking uh, what am I trying to say here?" <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> some asshole is going to write us and be like, "You of course there's going to be that one outlier." Where, of course, there's going to be that one outlier. But the 99% of them or the majority of them do this. And I was like, well, I don't understand the difference. Like, what what makes them do that? That's that's crazy to me. I I would have – I'm going to have to start asking people. I'm going to have to do my own research on this because that kind of blows my mind. Yeah. All right, dude, here's another one. I'm going to throw this out there for you because this is one that I've been thinking about for three weeks. All right, so – I'm going to give you a scenario. Tell me if it's weird or not. Okay? All right. Weird or not. You and your wife are going to lunch with one of your guy friends. Okay. Okay. All three of you walk into the restaurant at the same time. Your guy friend, when you sit down at the booth, decides to sit next to you, and your wife sits by herself on the other side of the booth. Weird or no? Yeah, that's a little weird. I would sit by my wife. Okay, all right, all right. I'm going to give you another scenario, right? All right. You and your wife are going to meet one of your wife's friends who just flew into town, and you're going to go to lunch. You get to the restaurant, and your wife sits next to her friend at the booth, and you sit on the other side by yourself. Weird or not? No, I guess that wouldn't be weird at all. I would expect my wife to sit with her friend. Why? Why is the only thing that has changed is it's two dudes and two girls. What changed? I don't know. I guess I never thought of that. Dude, I'm not kidding. This has been consuming me for like three weeks. I think about that. I'm taking a shower. I'm like, God, why is it different? Because I'll tell you right now, it seems weird to me. And I've asked a lot of people now. I have asked probably 20 people and made my wife feel very awkward at restaurants when I have three (laughs) waiters standing next to me. I have made a customer feel really awkward when my whole team is sitting there and there's eight of us discussing this whole topic and the customer's like, what are you guys all talking about? And we tell them and the customer's like, I have no idea how this has to do with your business, but fine, okay, I'm in. And the customer starts talking about it. I mean, we've had long discussions about this and what's really weird is there are two camps of people. No, that's not weird at all. Yes, that's totally bizarre. And we started bringing up all the different situations and and, and different... Because here you go. All right? All right. Hit me with another one. You and your wife arrive to the restaurant first. And you each, for some reason, sit on either side of the table. Okay? Okay? Maybe your friend walks in and unannounced now is joining you for lunch because they were there. And they just happened to walk in and they were going to go grab something at the bar and you're there and you're like, do you want to join us? He sits next to you. Do you still feel weird? Hmm. No. No, I would. Wow. Okay. Whoa. Blows your mind, right? Well, yeah, but I I would feel weird if he would sit next to my wife. Yes. Yes, you would. So a situation that just a few seconds ago you said, that makes me feel weird, now feels completely normal for you. 
Interesting. Yes. So what is that? That has to be some sort of, some sort of. Dude, to hmm. me, that's reptilian. That is something that is so ingrained in us that you almost just naturally do it. Like, without thinking, you've never it's thought. Ins- it's almost instinctual. Instinctual. You have never thought when you've gone into a restaurant, who do I sit next to, my wife or my friend? It's never no. been in a question. If you went to a restaurant with your friend and your mom, you're sitting on your mom's side because you're family. So is that right. because it's a closer tie to you? So you, you're really, what you're doing in that circumstance, maybe what you're doing is actually unconsciously saying who is more important or has priority. Hmm. Now that, oh boy, that kind of makes more sense. However, that doesn't hold up when your wife and you are having lunch and your friend unannounced shows up. Because then it's more of, I don't want another man sitting with my wife. Even though he's my friend, there, there's a... If he eh. sits next to you, it's a respect of like, look, I don't even want it to be a question. Correct. Correct. So to him, that's his, hey, my loyalty in that situation lies to you. Correct. And presumably, obviously, if he's your friend, presumably... If that's the case, he has a deeper relationship with you than he does your wife. Like, yeah, he likes my wife. He knows my wife, talks to my wife, all that kind of stuff. We get together. We see his wife all the time. We have a friendship and a relationship. But his friendship is, yeah, I'm the priority in the friendship. So it it, it is kind of an instinctual thing if you, if you really boil it down then. Yeah. It's something that's pre-programmed in us. Yeah, and when now what's going to end up happening, you're going to go to a restaurant and you're like, fuck, who has priority? Because you're going to start to think about it without even thinking. You're now going to be consciously thinking about it. Yeah, I'm going to want to pay attention to this. Now. Yeah. Oh, so I'm sitting. Mm-hmm. what kind of information were you, what kind of feedback you were getting from, from other folks, especially the waiters? Now, that kind of had, because they see this more often. They see were it, they, but they don't necessarily know what the dynamic is. I mean, if, they, if there's two guys sitting on a side booth nowadays, man, it's it's... I would probably assume they're a couple. Like, oh, they're just they're a True. couple, and they're out with their friend. Like, I I would never think that it's a husband and wife across the table from each other with a friend next to them. Did that kind of blow their mind, considering that you know they work in that type of situation on a daily basis? Was that something that kind of well, they've never thought about, it. and, they, and we were right. trying to put a, a put a finger on it. And this is actually, you know what, dude? I had the the priority thing. Out of all the conversations I've ever had, I've never actually said that. I just figured that out as we were talking about it. It's taken me three weeks to figure it out. I now have my answer. I'm never going to talk about this again it, because it's I have priority. It. Yeah, it's priority. And that's, that's really weird to think about it, that you are un, you're non-verbally communicating priority of the people at that table. Well, I mean, animals do it in the animal kingdom without knowing it, and we are animals. Yeah. Damn, I, dude. I'll tell you this much. It, it's really weird, though, because... There were there were very strong opinions by everybody I was asking. Like, the first person where I would say, "Oh, well, I don't think it's weird at all," and then you would have all of a sudden four people go, "Whoa, you don't think it's weird? Why really? not?" Yeah. So would that would that create a heated debate between those four and that one? Yeah. Well, we kept going through, and we were going through all the different scenarios, all the different what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. And then I just realized when we were talking about it, I, when no one had brought up the topic of your friend coming in later to meet you. And that right there is now the determining factor of what it was. Like, 
all those other situations, there's so many what ifs, yeah. it kind of goes into infinity. But as soon as that guy comes in, as, as you're already sitting there and is coming to join you, now there is a clear decision. And why are you making that decision? Deeper relationship, you're taking priority. Interesting. Damn. Isn't it weird how the human mind works, man? It is, because there's so many of those things where you don't necessarily know it's inbred or involved. Like, uh, what's her face? AOC, whatever her name is, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right? She's all over the news, yada, yada, yada. And this week she's getting blown up because she went to some, like, um, place where it was a, a large constituency of uh, African-American people. And I guess she kind of started talking with, like, a little bit of a twang. Dude, it just happens. Like, you, you kind of mimic who you're around. I mean, you start to say things. I mean, how many times... Like uh, the word dope. If you were one of the people that said dope, everybody you knew said dope or the bomb. Like it just becomes part of the vernacular. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And no matter where it's coming from a culture, like you still are saying it because it's just kind of bled in. Well, if all of a sudden you start, like I notice that when I travel to parts of the country, like after a few days I have that same accent. I'm like, oh, I'm starting to talk like my family saying a boat. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm talking about a boat. I'm so sorry. And I come back and I'm like, I can't, let, I can't believe I let that slip. Yeah, so you have those things, man. Exactly, and that's kind of what it goes into. But, yeah, damn, dude. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and then let's go ahead and jump into some news, dude. Are you ready for the news? All right, sounds good. What you got? This from the renowned news desk of the Jenkinty News Network. This is barely the news. Just, I like to find weird news stories. I don't like to talk about the same old bullshit that everyone talks about, so... Mm -hmm. I, you know, I thought this, this uh, everyone's so politically charged. I found a politically charged story, but it has a different ending. This is an Indian man. And uh, after accidentally voting for the wrong party while voting, in anger, he cut his own finger off. Just because he voted for the wrong guy by accident, he was so pissed, he cut his own finger Is this off. like the Japanese guys falling on their own sword out of shame? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he was very upset. What uh, yeah. Could you, could you imagine that? You're so mad that you voted for the wrong person. You you cut your own fucking finger off. What finger did he cut off? Because that's pointer, a better question. Pointer finger. Pointer. They got, yeah, they got. Well, a I'm picture. sure that's the one that probably passed the button. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so maybe did the finger make the mistake? Did, is that what he was like? Oh, this fucking finger made this mistake. This wasn't me. You obviously made the mistake. You can't be me. So take it away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the funny thing too. In in the article, it says that. The buttons used to vote was a lotus symbol, and the other one was an elephant. What the fuck? Is this That's, a wedding that they're voting for? I, like, I guess so. It almost sounds like a Sesame Street voting machine. Yeah. You can <laughs> star the square. <laughs> an elephant and a lotus. So, like, how, how do you know who's who? I don't know. It's, it's an interesting voting machine. <laughs> That's the dumbest shit I've ever. Heard. So there's only two people you can vote for because maybe I want uh, maybe I want a cow on fire, aren't cows sacred or some shit? They're like, I don't want either of these. The elephant, yeah, I, I don't like him, his trunk, the bullshit that he stands for. The lotus flower is just peace. No, fuck that. I want the flaming cow. Let's do this. Like I, I just don't. <laughs> what flaming cow? Wouldn't you call that a hamburger? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so my here's my. It, what did he do with the finger after he cut it off? Yeah, dude. What are you doing? Maybe, uh, maybe the, he the, sold it for someone to eat like a chicken wing. Um, dude, they got those weird people in Japan that like cut their junk off and sell their penises to people to eat. 
What? Dude, you've never seen that? No, you're going to have to elaborate on this. Bro, there are some crazy-ass people over there that do, like, they they basically do the sheep castration on themselves where they tie their balls up with a rubber band. And they let them fall off, and when they fall off, or and, and there's been some people who hack them off, and then they sell them for, I mean, a lot of money, and these weird rich people buy it and eat it. What? Yeah, dude, and they're the, I mean, these are people who want to be eunuchs, like just asexual people. Dude, the Japanese are weird when it comes to sex, man. They're like, look at their porno. You look at their porno, and they still are like tiling out things. Like, all right. It's just weird. And then who are the people who want to watch tiled-out porn? Yeah, they... The Asian culture is very interesting. There's... They're very respectful and very about honor, but then after work is over and after family life, they've got some... They've got... They love karaoke, but they got some weird shit going on in their night scene. I couldn't imagine eating my own... Or selling my... Selling my junk to somebody to eat. Man, that's just... How do you get to that point in your life? I don't know. That that are are you that hard up for cash? Is it is that what you're doing is you're selling your junk for cash? Because I guess if I guess if that's the case maybe maybe I I don't know cuz you can't really I guess you could sell a kidney. I got two of those. I only got one cock. <laughs> I mean, oh, man, I could you know, I'd do a kidney. I'd do a kidney to help somebody, but Man, just to sell sell my balls randomly. You know, uh, but you're cocking balls. That? You're selling both, man. You're selling what's the that? beans and the rice, or the beans and the hot dog. What's that pivotal point in in your life that makes you decide that I'm gonna I'm gonna do that? Pivotal. All right. So there's a good question for you. Pivotal point. Do you ever take time and look back at your life and see a pivotal point and go, "That's what put me on the trajectory for this path." And how many pivotal points have you looked back? Do you ever look back and think about what changed a path in your life? You mean taking a look back at that fork in the road and actually, like, that is the fork that made me go there. Yeah, I made this decision, and it caused this result, and it got me to this point. Hmm. You know what? Do you ever look back at that and see exactly what moment it was? Maybe this will be kind of similar to what you're talking about. Um, I don't do that with necessarily events. I, I look at that in the terms of people and how that person, their influence or introductions, like who did I meet that is currently in my life? Who are the really important people in my life and how did they get there? And then I kind of backtrack that through the people who introduced me to those people. Like, Hey, this person, and I can backtrack that with some friends, like back six friends ago, like, Oh yeah, I met this person through this person. The person who originally introduced us is a piece of shit. I don't want to be involved with them anymore. But this good thing, this relationship with this other person came out of it. Yeah, it's like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon in a way. Yeah, it is. And that's where I'm like, oh, well, because I was introduced to this person, they introduced me to this event or this activity. And I was like, all right, that sounds good. That And that's changed my like career path or that's changed uh, my educational path or my thought process. So I, mm-hmm. I guess in that term, it always kind of comes back to the person who has shared that with me. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Y- yes, yes and no. But there's, What's an I think there's I think there's more major pivotal points like an event that made you decide to take a turn. You know, I, I need I an example. What do you got? Like what what um, what, is, what specifically has happened in your life that, that, that So for me, like I 
when I when I lived in Nevada, I had always wanted to move back to Wisconsin, and I had I just I don't know I, I put it off and I put it off and I finally had a job where I could and I just I hemmed and hawed, but then I had a pivotal point, and uh, this example. So I actually woke up late for work one day and I was running a route for a potato chip delivery company, and um, I was normally at my my store at at three thirty in the morning was usually when I got to that store. And I woke up late. I woke up at 5, and I, I rushed over to my warehouse. I got in my truck, and I jumped in the truck, and I drove to my first stop, which I was normally at, at 3.30. And uh, I got there, and it was about quarter to 6, and the police had this place roped off. Like, oh, shit. You know, something bad happened here. So I went in. All right, I pulled up to one of the police officers, and I said, hey, well, when can I get in here and deliver? And I, this is normally my stop, and he's like, it's going to be a while. I said, well, what happened? He said, about 4 o'clock in the morning, somebody came in here, and he, he killed the clerk and another customer execution style and robbed the place. And I would have been in that store at that time had I not woken up late. And to this day, I don't remember if I didn't set my alarm clock or I hit snooze. I'm not really sure what caused me to be late, which was odd for me. I'm never late. I'm a very punctual individual. And uh, that event and that pivotal point made me decide that it was time for me to leave that state. It was time to make that transfer happen, make, make that move and get out of there. So had that not happened, I would have never moved here and I wouldn't be where I am today. I would still be living there, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah, that's, wow, that's, that's dramatic, though. I mean, how... I don't know if there's a lot of people that have had an experience quite like that. You know, like, because the most uh, famous probably story of that is Seth MacFarlane, the guy that created Family Guy. He was supposed to be on one of the planes that flew into the Twin Towers. And he missed his flight. Yeah, and so he he should have, in all intents and purposes, been dead. But he misses flights all the time, so for him, he's like, it's not so much, it's not all that weird. But for your situation... Yeah, you are very punctual. I, I I know you. I you for your entire life have always been on time. You have been there when you said you're going to be there. So for that situation, that is odd because that yeah. happens so infrequently for you that you do forget to set your alarm clock or anything like that. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. But I, you know, and that was an extreme example. But I think there's there's other you know stronger examples. I I think I can name three or four major pivotal points that have changed the path of my life. I have a pivotal point. I remember when we were out in the middle of the desert one night, and you uh, you were trying. We were trying to get past this fence that they just put up, and you you guys were talking about trying to figure out like, can we cut the fence? Da 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 da. da. And I was just kind of walking up and down it. And they had these little two pins that were holding that fence together. Mm-hmm. And then you could just kind of pull these pins off, and the, the fence kind of like stayed up, but it was all unattached from the poles. And I remember calling out to you guys and saying, hey, guys, we could just do this. And I just kind of pulled it a little bit, and like <laughs> 30 feet of fence just fell down. I do remember that night. I remember it as a pivotal point because as soon as I did that, I realized I'm an asshole, but I'm enjoying <laughs> being an asshole. Sometimes being an asshole can be fun, Man, as long as it doesn't injure or upset too many people. We did a lot of pranks on people when we were younger, dude. And I'll, I'll tell you, the, the stuff that we did, there were three rules. The first was no one gets hurt. No one, like, there's no property damage. You couldn't damage someone's shit. And 
no one could be uh, late for work. So no one gets hurt, don't damage shit, and don't make them late for work. Those were three rules. And as long as you didn't break those rules, you could you, anything was like open, fair game. <laughs> and there were like, we shrank wrap people's cars. Um, mm-hmm. We ended up going to one of our friend's houses with a bunch of little red Solo cups and filling them all halfway with water and stapling them all together. So they had like 300 red Solo cups on their floor all stapled, stapled together half full. <laughs> So, because what do you do? You have to actually pull them all apart or oh, you have yeah. to get the water out. So you're like, God, what the fuck, what the hell do I do? The smart person would like cut out like 10 of them or so at the same time and then go like hold 10 and dump 10 out at a time. Um, my friend was not that smart <laughs> and emptied every <laughs> single one. And we're like, dude, how long did that take you? He's like, hours. I was like, hours? Like I actually tried stapling a few together to see how hard it is to pull them apart five or 10 at a time. It's right. not that hard. He's like, I wish I would have thought of that. I'm like, dumbass. Oh, man, there's critical thinking for you. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, that to he be was not fair, good at solving problems. Effectively, now, to be fair, most of those days we were either hungover or still drunk. So, I mean, was it was it necessarily that, or was it we were just really foggy <laughs> from all the nights of partying? But we did a lot of stuff, man. I remember, like one night we even snuck into because uh, we were we were doing some stuff with this police department as volunteers, and we snuck into the parking lot of the police department. And we had hoses running from the building all the way to the far end of the parking lot. And we lined one of our uh, buddies, the beds of our buddies' trucks with Visqueen. And we went out to the lake and caught these giant carp and filled the bed of the truck with like 90 gallons of water. And there's cops driving by us and crap. And no one ever called us out on our crap. They never said a word, didn't say, who are you guys? There's just like four punk kids in this parking lot filling this truck with water. And... uh (laughs) So the next day, I get a phone call of him yelling, just like, I know this was you, motherfucker. You better take care of this. And uh, one of my other buddies calls me. So I pick up my buddy's line. He's like, hey, man, he's over here right now in the bed of his truck. He's about to open his tailgate. He's like, oh, he just opened his tailgate. The water washed him. He fell right on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is hilarious. And then my buddy's like, oh, this is getting even better. The carp are flopping around. Oh, he pulled out his baton. He was beating these fish trying to kill (laughs) him. You know, hey, you've got to add the part. You've got to tell the listeners when you went to extract the carp, what you had to go through. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. We got got stopped by, like, a a cop out there, and he's like, what are you guys doing? And I had the foresight to say, hey, I know this park ranger is going to come up and be like, hey, what are you doing? You can't fish at the dock. The fish all come up and swarm. And I don't know, if you've ever been out to Lake Mead, uh, it's it's this big, nasty, man-made lake out in uh, just south of Vegas. And you can go to the marina, and the marina has carp that are so thick from eating the garbage people throw at them that the birds land on the water and walk on top of the moving sea of carp. I mean, there's hundreds and thousands of these things. And And they're big. They're huge. They're 15, 20 pounds each. I mean, you throw anything in that water, and they slurp them down. Like, I know the tourists love going out there and throwing cigarette butts in the water because the carp just eat those things like crazy. Oh, yeah. So they do all that kind of crazy stuff. Anyway, um, we, I had the foresight to know that I was probably going to get stopped by some park ranger guy. So what I did is I, I t- typed up a fake letter from the university, put the university stamp and everything on there, and then <laughs> had it signed by a fake professor with a phone number to go to my friend. And so they're like, all right, so we did get stopped. And they're like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, here's my letter. This is blah, blah, blah. And the cop's like, all right, well, let me see. I'm going to see if this is really. So he calls the phone number. My friend answers, obviously is in on the whole thing. I was like, those are my students. We do have our permitting, blah, blah, blah. And the cop's like, all right, you guys agree, free to go. Make sure you only take your four. <laughs> and I was just like, damn, that worked so well. I don't think you could get away with shit like that anymore. 
I don't know, man. There's it's pretty ignorant cops out there still. Yeah, but, like, you couldn't... Do you think if you handed a cop, like, just some bullshit-typed letter anymore, they'd be like, oh, this is acceptable. Thank you so much. No, I think a lot of the time they'll they pawn it off with, oh, that's a civil matter, and they, they let it go. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I think there's a lot of things that I, you just can't get away with anymore because of technology. Like, you know how many times I snuck into concerts, and all we did was take the concert poster write all access on the bottom of it like through like a like a paint program or something like that take it to kinkos get it laminated and put it on a lanyard and we snuck into i don't do dozens of concerts really shows and you would just walk past and show it to security and we would carry like a we'd keep like our broken guitar cables or mic cables and you'd pretend to be on the phone and carry one of those and when you get backstage you throw that thing on the ground and you don't care and then for the rest of the night, whenever you leave the backstage, you'd be like, hey, man, I'll see you in just a minute. And you tell security, you check in with him. So when you come back, he never he never second guesses it. Really? That's genius. That's all we did. No, why, why couldn't you do that now? So it was one of the last years uh, that I went to Warp Tour. God, this is maybe eight years ago. I was we did the exact same thing. And that was the first year that I walked in and we were we got backstage and I started looking around. I was like, oh everybody's got badges with their face on them. And they're all RFID chipped. Oh, we can't fake that Uh-oh. anymore. And just as I was saying that, this lady comes over and like grabs me and my three other friends. There's four, I mean, the four of us are just like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? Because we drove out of state for this, and we're still kids. I mean, probably younger than our parents should have been letting us drive out of state. Anyway, um, <laughs> but we stayed over, we stayed overnight in Arizona. And, and so I was like, Oh crap. Like if, if I get in trouble, how do I call my parents and tell them I got arrested in Arizona? You know, oh God, so, they would have not been happy. Oh no. And so the lady was just like, all right, look, where'd you get these? And I was like, ah, oh, my boss gave them to me. He is like, he has this small magazine in Vegas. He told us to come and write some articles about the show. And she's like, Who's your boss? And she started going through, and I, was, I named whatever the fuck the magazine was, and she actually called that dude. He's like, they're not my employees. I was like, oh, shit. This lady, like, <laughs> she knows this guy. Probably didn't work. All right, that's Ooh. a bad idea. And so she's like, look, you've gone to great lengths to get in, so I'll tell you what. Go enjoy the show. Stay the hell out of my backstage and give me those back. Okay. You got it. You looked so out. She, I was very lucky, dude. But there, I do. It worked. I don't know how many times I got to hang out. Well, that was really one of the cool things. I got to hang out with all these bands that I was like huge fans of, and, and they just figured out oh, it's just some dude backstage. He's a fan meet and greet. All right, and they were all about it. Well, and I, you know what I think helps though. I think it helps that you're not blown away by people like that. You don't have that starstruck. You're not that. You don't have that personality of somebody that gets starstruck, and you can just flow with it so you can act completely normal around those type of people so they wouldn't think anything of it you're not acting like a rabid fan a lot of people get backstage and they go nuts that's true that's true i'll tell you man because that always comes in handy with like interviews too i have people who come in when they go do an interview or if i go do an interview and they're like Mm -hmm. oh you're very calm or someone's freaking out i'm like look would you think of me any differently would you talk to me any differently if i was behind you in line at starbucks and their answer is like yeah I'd, i'd be fine if you're just somebody at starbucks i was like then I'm somebody at Starbucks. Right. Like, if you turned around and it's just another customer that has no relationship to you in any way, shape, or form, like, you're not going in for a job interview with them, you would talk to them like you'd talk to any of your friends, just just like a normal person. And so why is it any different just because this person's sitting across from you because they play guitar on a stage or right. because they, 
you know, because they're a singer, because they're a professor or a movie star. Like, they're not any different. They're a fucking person. Well, they're not. They're not any different. And just because they're good at one thing and you're not doesn't mean that you're not good at one thing and they're not. We're all good at different things. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're just a different person. That's all. So you're right. There's nothing special about them. Yeah. I mean, look, dude, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick, they still have to go buy toilet paper somewhere. Somewhere there's a grocery store and they buy toilet paper. Or Asian hookers. Or Asian hookers. I mean, hey, it's either one of it. Dude, did you hear his tape? Like, they're trying to send it, get his tape out, like, release his tape. Oh, really? They're still wa- after that, huh? Dude, who wants to watch this old guy get a handy? I, I'd leave the guy alone. Just right. come on. Right. Just... And now this is also the weird part of that, dude. Like, am I on camera? In those Asian places? Like, if you were to go in and they're doing a sting? Are you saying you go there? I'm thinking those guys just want to watch people get jerked off. <laughs> like, it's a little bizarre. Could you imagine be having to be the police, the investigator, the detective that has to deal with child porn people? Where they have to go through the shit that they get off of these computers? Like, that's your job. You're doing that 10 hours a day. You're investigating that shit, and you've got to look through that shit. <sighs> Could you imagine the psychological trauma that those police you would, officers you would have go to through? Have, you would have to have a... I, I, I have a... I would hope that the people who work in those jobs, it's mandatory for them to go to a therapist. How could it not be? Yeah. You, I mean, well, at least give them a sounding board. Yeah. Mandatory. Like you I have mean, thank to go. God they're it's doing it. It's part of your job. And thank God they're investigating people like that. Because that's, that's, those are the people we really need to get rid of. Yeah. Well, there was um, an episode of Radio Lab, I think it was, and they were doing interviews with people from Facebook or one of those streaming sites mm-hmm. where, and all the people came in as like anonymous because they, they, they were just like, we can't talk about it. But it was all the people who watched the flagged videos and they talk about the immense amount of violence that they have to watch to really? delete those photos. Fo- yeah, because so many people are posting just some of the most violent things ever. Really? Yeah. Like, what kind of violent shit are they posting? Just well, all over the world. I mean, just crazy murders and stuff like that. Oh, like when God. they like those people who live stream those murders. Like that's that stuff happens. I think a lot more than is publicized in the news. I think that happens daily, somewhere in the world, if not multiple times daily. God, it, it, what? <laughs> It's hard to even wrap your head around that kind of stuff. And and this is why I stay in my own little bubble, in my own little world, and try not to watch the news. Because thinking about that kind of stuff, I can't even wrap my head around it. I can't I can't understand the thinking and the mindset that these people are in that causes them to do this kind of shit. Like yeah. human life has such it's such a value to it. It really does. It, well, and it's just like, well, what's happened? In, what gets them to that point? That's like, because that's an exact, that's an extreme circumstance. And I think ninety nine percent of people obviously would not go out there and do that. But you have that one percent sliver that's just weird. And you know what I think a lot of it is, man. I, I think a lot of this stuff that we're seeing these problems stem from antidepressants and antipsychotics. I think so many people are on those 
and then they they struggle coming off of them, and they're prescribed at at random. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. this might work for you. We do not know what's going on in that brain up there. And as much as we're trying to push it into another direction, I mean, people are evolving and stuff like that in front of everybody. But at the same time, like, dude, that, it's just insanity to think that there's these people out there. And and they're just popping these pills, and they feel nothing. They feel disconnected. They feel disengaged. You know, I've talked to people. I've worked with people where, as a boss, I have to ask people, like, hey, um, are you thinking of hurting yourself or have you ever had thoughts? Yes, I have. And you're like, well, now I have to call somebody. And, and, and they're going to commit. Like, there are people who come out and get you and put you on a, a psychiatric hold. sleeping pills and anxiety pills and antidepressants and all sorts of shit but it only exacerbated the symptoms and I honestly don't know what it was I I don't and I man there was times where I would kind of wake up at work Mm -hmm. and I worked about an hour away from home so I would be in a grocery store stocking potato chips and kind of come to and go how did I get here? I don't remember getting up. I don't remember driving to work. And I, and I couldn't God, sleep. that's dangerous. It was bad. It, it was, but it was what they were telling me was helping. And it, was, it wasn't necessarily. It, Soon. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me and Jake today for the TOD podcast. If you could, please follow us on Twitter at TOD podcast. You can also find us on Facebook. If you could like and subscribe to the show, please share it with a friend. We're actually over our goal for what we were trying to shoot for next month being at a uh, hundred listeners. So thank you so much for sharing. You guys have been fantastic. As we continue to get more listeners, we'll make better and better product and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thoughts on demand.